right, everyone, we are rolling into another episode of Return. Today, we want to look at Revelation 19.7, a verse that has been really encouraging to me lately, something that we've been talking about quite a bit, and that's just a verse that really gives us assurance of the fact that there will be a bride ready and equally yoked and awaiting Jesus when he returns. So I'm excited to jump into our content today. Let's do this. Okay, so like I mentioned, I want to look at um, Revelation 19.7 and I want to, you know, kind of expand a little bit from there on some things that have been taking place recently. At the time of us recording this podcast, uh, we just came through the weekend where Really sadly and unfortunately, there were two mass shootings in America, um, the one in El Paso and the one in Dayton, Ohio. And obviously, it's just that causes a lot of um, pausing, reflecting, grieving, obviously, with the lives that are lost and the tragedy of what happened. And I'm not wanting to comment on anything political, but... I will just say that there has been, you know, it kind of just makes you pause and and just be really somber about the amount of things that have been taking place recently and kind of this increase of darkness that we have been seeing. And so um, part of what I want to talk about today and, and for us to have a conversation about is one, just these two um, brides that we see at the end of the book of Revelation, and we'll we'll develop that a little bit more, but starting first with, with Revelation 19, this is something that I've been looking at a lot lately because this verse really, when you, when you take this verse and you speak it over yourself, over your life, when you, I don't know, just put it in front of you and, and stare at it, it really builds hope and confidence. Mm-hmm. And that's because what we see in Revelation nineteen seven is there's this amazing verse that says, let us be glad and rejoice for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. So I want to just look at that for a little bit and talk about why, why is that verse so important for us to lay hold of right now? Yeah, well, that is the completion of all the dreams of God. And it's basically that we made it. We made it through history. We made it through our mistakes. We accepted the Savior. We survived the Old Testament. We survived the New Testament. So Revelation 19 is like uh, what Isaiah 62 verse 5 says that we are basically a crown and a jewel in the hand of our king. So is this victory that is the expansion of the cross now in human flesh, in virtue, is in, in the weakness of a bride that is infected with the flesh and sin and, and all of these situations that happen, but overcame because of the spirit, because of love and because of, uh, of the blood of the lamb. So revelation 19 is a slap in the face to the principalities and powers and to our flesh that fallen flesh and human nature saying there was actually vindicating the fact that there was love that was stronger than death 
and that the many waters of tribulation, which Revelation 19 is at the end of the Great Tribulation, yeah. that the many waters did not quench this love. Yeah. That actually God's love overcame. Not the world, like the, the definition of, of uh, the love of the world, but mm -hmm. God's love. So anyways, so that's uh, it's basically quenching ultimately all the accusations of Satan saying that God forsake us that God um, is a liar, that God's love is dumb, and all of these humanistic harlot Babylon lies that we were accused over and over again. Revelation 19 vindicates God's ways, vindicates the, the path of humility, vindicates that God is backing up this man uh, plan, which is the gospel. So, I mean, so many things to say about yeah. Revelation 19. But it's the culmination of the victory of the bride over sin, over the flesh, and over human nature. Yeah, so I just think about, like, again, to put it in perspective of we kind of face these really hard moments in life. And, and obviously there's hard moments that we face as individuals, you know, when, when pain or crisis touches our life. And then we see on this large scale too, like just the sufferings and, and the groanings of things happening in the world, shootings, uh, natural disasters, things like that. And it causes us to pause and kind of realign our perspective yeah. to things. And I think what's so important about this verse of Revelation 19, 7 is it's talking specifically about a bride. Yeah. And so when we back up and we evaluate our life and we evaluate the bigger picture of our lives, we need the reminder of who we are to God. And um, I think it's really important. I mean, a lot of what we've talked about in this podcast has been kind of broader themes, bigger, uh, bigger storyline topics, of, you know, looking at from creation until the end and and getting some of the just yeah the bigger picture of of those things but something that i think is massively important for us to see in scripture is how deeply god's desire is for a people that would love him and and be loved by him yeah. and what i get like so encouraged by in this verse is that this is, like you said, this is like the final statement over our lives as believers yeah. that says, mm -hmm. you did it. Like the bride made herself ready. Yeah. The bride is white. She's pure. She made it through the the pain and and the, the turmoil and the tribulations of life and the tribulations of, of the last three and a half years. And she's come out victorious and pure and, and bright. Yeah. And it's and it's the we need to emphasize too that Revelation nineteen is also saying is after the resurrection of the saints. Yeah. The resurrection and the transformation of the bodies of those who remain, which we call it the rapture and the transformation. So is the prize that God gives to the bride is a new body. Yeah. New body, new nature never a demonic thought entering or even tempting us sin has no way in us anymore we have no trace of the past 
uh, human uh, sinful nature. So it's a uh, God has prepared the bride a feast, a bridegroom, a city, and a glorified resurrected body like Jesus has to be with Him forever. So he's even he's even a slap in the face to death, the final enemy yeah. we've overcome, and so it's a dignification or or or. I don't know, vindication of the cross. So like you said, we made it. We paid the price. We took our cross. Mm -hmm. We died with Christ every day of our lives and all the saints of all. Now we get to enjoy forever. Yeah. Um, so, we get to enjoy him forever too. Yeah. And I think part of it is we get to enjoy him and also he gets to enjoy us. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a bridal relationship with a bridegroom. So, okay, I want to talk a little bit then also just some of the context, though, that we see this verse come up because I mentioned really briefly at the beginning that what we see actually is there really is two brides at the end of the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I think that this is important to talk about is because uh, just the amount of darkness and sin and just grossness that we're seeing in the earth right now it's it's only growing to grow into maturity and into fullness and that's the thing is is there's two brides because there's two different trajectories right now of where people are going based off the decisions that they're making and so right before this chapter of revelation 19 we have two chapters that actually describe the other woman, you know, or the other bride, so to speak. And that's Revelation 17 and 18. And what we see there is uh, she's called the harlot Babylon. But really what it is, is it's the culmination of darkness in the earth, the culmination of sin and lawlessness abounding. And it's wrapped up in this woman. It's wrapped up in also like what humanity can be in in their own minds, what humanity can be at their best apart from God. And that's why, it, I mean, we did a podcast on Psalm 2 a little bit ago, yeah. but talking about how the nations right now are trying to cast off the laws of God because they find them restrictive and they find them, um, yeah, restricting their human potential, restricting, you know, their ability to be free or be who they are. And so I want to just talk a little bit, you know, give a synopsis of what the harlot Babylon is Mm -hmm. and and why it's so important right now for the, just the decision-making and the point of history that we're in right now to be aware of this. Yeah. I want to read the title because it's in capital letters in the Bible and these two cities, the New Jerusalem and Babylon, are in capital letters, other than the you know the name Titles that Jesus, of Jesus. Yeah, which is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But it says, "Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth." That's insane. So it also also says that is the home of every demon and and evil spirit. Mm-hmm. So it's important for us to discern it because it's the longest prophecy in the New Testament is about Babylon. The longest prophecy in the Old Testament is about Babylon in um, Jeremiah 51 or 5051. And um, so 
it is the culmination of what the rebellion was about. And it's interesting to me that the subject of the Antichrist, it's done by chapter 13. Even though the Antichrist destroys Babylon after three and a half years, the book of Revelation before the culmination of Revelation 19, the coming of Jesus, it highlights with the longest prophecy of the New Testament about Heart of Babylon. So to me, the Bible tells us the Antichrist is an insane beast that, yes, is a man that if people are going to follow him, is going to be the reflection of who they want to, for a king. But Heart of Babylon is not a person, is in our members. It's like the highlight of our flesh and our human self-righteousness and basically the fruit of eating the the knowledge the of the tree of good and evil yeah it's like if you eat like we we have this story back in the day uh one of my one of my friends one of my my relatives he um his parents my 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 father's sister would give him a lot of carrot juice every <laughs> single day until one day they freaked out because he was literally a carrot the, the like his color, skin was orange the color was an, a carrot and they took it to the doctor and then after doing some tests they asked like what is the diet and like yeah we're super healthy anyways you you become what you eat literally uh i mean the color was so funny but that that helps me that poor guy yeah poor guy but um revelation 17 and 18 we see this harlotry that is not just a new character in the story is the reflection and the per full permission from God to be who we are without Christ. Mm -hmm. It is the, okay, is the Romans one, I'm going to burn your conscience. You want to do evil acts, women with women, men with men. Okay, do it. I'm going to deliver you. That's one of the scariest phrases in the Bible when God delivers you to your own sin, to your own sin and your own thing. So that's why Harlot Babylon is the culmination of humanity without Christ and is the ultimate fruit of eating the knowledge of good and evil and saying no to life and dependency of God. Yeah, I think it's interesting that, like you were talking about, we have these two characters that in a lot of ways just represent the fullness of sin. We have the beast, the antichrist who talks about like, he's actually called the lawless one. Yeah. And, uh, Jesus tells us in Matthew, I believe it's 24. He says, uh, lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. Yeah. And so what happens when, when lawlessness abounds is people lose their ability to love. They lose their ability to feel, to care for one another you know, to care for their fellow man. And it's interesting because that's the opposite of obviously the first and, and second great commandment, which is to love God and love other people. So if you're, if lawlessness is abounding in your heart, you're losing your ability to love and care for other people. And that at its maximum and in and, and its just culmination, we see is called a beast. It's, yeah. He's more animal-like than human and just without 
ability to show mercy and, and kindness to other people. And then at the other side, we see humanity in just reaching the fullness of her luxuries and wealth and, um, you know, prestige and, and uh, filthy abominations related to sexual immorality and drunkenness and, you know, um, I guess the other one would be like prosperity, just like the, yeah. yeah, the luxuries that she has. And what we see is that even her at her fullest potential is a harlot. And so we're left with these pictures of a it's beast horrible. and a harlot. But then that's where we can get so much courage from looking at Revelation nineteen seven and seeing, okay, in the midst of those other two things happening, there is a bride mm-hmm that is being refined, that is being made pure, that is being made white, that doesn't even have a a spot on her or a wrinkle. No, even stain on her from the world and and from things, you know, that she's facing and going through. And so I just think that that verse is something that we need to take Mm -hmm. courage from and, and really pay attention to. But I want to boil this down to, okay, how does knowing those things affect us right now? Yeah. Like where, how does this affect our decision making? How does this affect the relationships that we're in? How does this touch us? Well, many things that we can say. I will, I'll think of two. Um, first of all, it alleviates the anxiety that wants to attack me every day when I see the world going to hell. Yeah. Like basically, that is the insanity and the, I don't know, it's so outrageous, so confrontative against Christianity and what we believe. Mm-hmm. We are more and more the rare uh, people that are the reason why things are going wrong, mm-hmm. which is not true. Meaning it's easy to find a scapegoat for something. Yes, it's the witch hunt, but on on the ultimate level and he's going there and that brings anxiety many times it's like man and then you ponder and um you know in our weakness and in our sometimes when we get trapped with thoughts like that we can be pondering like psalm 73 why did the wicked prosper and what's the point like do you is someone even care that we're not that we're righteous in the secret place when everyone is enjoying all of these pleasures in the flesh, but we are trying to be consistent in when no one sees us and when everyone is seeing us and someone care. This chapter answers that and is the same answer that the psalmist in Psalm 73 had. I was thinking like that until I entered into your tabernacle, until, until I had a perspective of the end of them. Revelation 19 tells us we win. Mm-hmm. They lose, we win. We are betting everything we have to the lottery, and we have the winner ticket. And so it gives me confidence to keep saying yes to righteousness, especially in the secret place. When no one sees me, when I'm just with my wife or alone, or even in front of people, this really helps me to say, okay, every day counts. Every single day counts because you're looking at us and I have the privilege to make myself ready. 
uh, for that day. Mm -hmm. So it's, it alleviates the anxiety and actually gives me courage to say, you're pushing, I'll push back harder, not in my strength, but in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it gives me confidence. Yeah, because I think when, I mean, what's that saying? You start with the end in mind, right? Yeah. So if you know, okay, Revelation 19, 7, this is the end of my story. This is the end goal of my life. I love the way that Romans 8 puts it because this really is is tapping into the truth of the gospel that we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Yeah. That's the final statement over our lives. That's the final declaration over our lives. So if we're starting with the end in mind, things don't just happen out of a vacuum. Obviously, it is faithfulness in the little. It is step-by-step, decision-by-decision that leads us to that place. And so the thing is, is if I want to get to Revelation 19, 7, it really puts weight on my life today, my life choices, the things that I focus my attention on, the things that I um, let in front of my eyes, the things that I listen to, the things that I say. And um, yeah, I think when we see that that is just that's the declaration over our lives it can really affect us today but i think the other thing again tapping into the fact that it says that the bride is made ready Mm -hmm. part of the way that we are preparing today is it really is about encountering a man it really is about encountering jesus as our bridegroom and um how you know, so much, again, like when we look at how lawlessness is going to abound and the love of many are growing cold, that means for us as the church, it's the exact opposite, that our love is actually growing. It's getting red hot, that we're feeling like the bride that's preparing for her Mm. wedding day and just can't wait to get married, can't wait to finally like be with her bridegroom forever, you know, get rid of all the boundaries and all the, I don't know, terrible things that you have when you're dating and engaged. Like we were so happy after we got married, not just because of, you know, whatever, but because we actually get to be together all of the time. Mm -hmm. You're, you get to live with your best friend, which is amazing. And so part of it is right now cultivating that inward love and that, that fire for Jesus. That's just we see the the spirit and the bride at the end of the book of Revelation. She's saying, come. It's the bride that's saying, come. I miss you, Jesus. I want to be with you. I want you to make all the wrong things right. I want everything that hinders love uh, to be removed. So everything that, you know, would oppose God, everything that would oppose him from being able to come and dwell on the earth, yeah. you want it gone. And so... Um, Really, that's the hope and the victory of what we have mm-hmm. and what we see from Revelation nineteen seven. It's amazing. It's amazing, and it's worth. It's like what you say. It dignifies our ninety nine point nine percent of our lives, which is not this, and is not preaching on on a in a conference yeah. on the microphone. That's point zero 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 one percent of what we do. But in the in Christianity, especially in the in the in this side of the world, we many times worship and and idealize like, oh, I want to be the person that is 
top dog that is, you know, preaching. And that's like the ultimate goal of spirituality. And God is like, no, actually not. I'm actually 99% of what you do is, is hidden, mm-hmm. is mundane. It is, you know, take, playing with my baby, taking care of Gabe, which is super awesome. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just normal stuff. And I love that Revelation 19 is super lofty. It's amazing. It's epic. But it's all of these decisions. The bride is beautiful because of the 99% of the routines of life. She was faithful. And that's what God calls faithful. He's not impressed with our impact. Because, I mean, the God of the universe is never going to be impressed with our (laughs) impact. He's just impressed with with the faithfulness in the little. And that's what I love about Jesus coming out of the waters. He's an example for us. He has only spent 30 years taking care of his widow mom. And then the father stops everything. Heaven is in silence listening to the father. Everyone on the earth that was listening, they are hearing the voice of the father saying, this is my beloved son and I'm well pleased in you. And then he says, you're... You're worth of the Holy Spirit residing in you. And he has done nothing in ministry. But he has taken care of his mom. He has taken care of his brothers and sisters. He's been a faithful servant of his family. And we don't even see one chapter of that hidden life. And God says, you're successful right now. Even before you start your ministry, you are already amazing. So Revelation 19 is epic. But epic means every day. Yeah. When no one cares about what you did and the decisions you made, he cares. Yeah. So that connection to me is how it motivates me to realign my heart every day. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope that this uh, podcast has encouraged you. I want to, yeah, just encourage you to... Go look at this verse. I mean, do what you need to do to get it to where it's actually real in your heart. Something I've been saying is this is a verse that you want to take to the bank, meaning you want to count on it, rely on it, declare it over your life. I am going to be the pure and spotless bride. And no matter what's happening in society around us, no matter the tragedies that are taking place, the Lord is committed to his people. He is committed to bringing out a bride from every tribe, tongue, and nation and people. So be blessed and be encouraged and we will see you guys in the next episode. See you guys.